In addition to her work at the Institute, she is also the co-chair of the university's Commission on History, Race, and a Way Forward. The commission is charged with exploring, engaging, and teaching the university's history with race and provide recommendations to the chancellor on how the Carolina community must reckon with its past. A year into her leadership as director of the Institute, we sit down with Dr. Parker to talk about her work and her many leadership roles. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Pat. It is my pleasure to be here. We'll jump right in, um, and I'll begin by noting that the very first episode of the Institute podcast featured you as a guest. At that time, you were serving as the chair of the Department of Communication and had begun work on your next book, which would be based on your engaged scholarship. Ultimately, that work culminated in a new book in 2020, Ella Baker's Catalytic Leadership, a primer on community engagement and communication for social justice. How has your journey as a scholar and as a faculty leader who continues to be engaged with the community shaped you for your current role as the director of the Institute? Well, that's a, that's a really <laughs> great question. Um, as you noted, I participated in the very first uh, podcast when I was chair, um, and that seems like such a long time ago. It's a ago. while ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, uh, let, let, let me answer your question by first saying that um, the mission of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities is to empower faculty to reach their full potential by creating community um, and cultivating leadership. Of course, a, a um, fundamental uh, part of, of, that, of our mission is to advance the arts and, and humanities. And so I would say that Certainly, being chair the Department of Communication and being a, a scholar in the Department of uh, Communication helps me to support that mission, every aspect of that mission. The Department of Communication is, is in the Division of Fine Arts and, and Humanities in the College of Arts and Sciences, and it, it makes us unique among communication departments um, in that we do, we are very interdisciplinary. We're in the College of, of, of Arts, and, um, Arts and Sciences, and the faculty, my faculty colleagues and I um, are very much engaged with the, the focus of the humanities, right, in terms of thinking about the, the human condition and, and thinking about those important questions that make us human. Um, whether we're t talking about in, in my own work in uh, critical organizational studies, I'm always thinking about 
the processes of, of communication and organizing that um, take into account how power is circulating and how uh, people's you know how, how how people's humanity is being recognized and so you know this idea of of the human condition um, as a scholarly product um, project is 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 very very much um, a central part of our department as well as the arts. I mean, we are, uh, in the Department of Communication, we have um, media and performance arts. Uh, my colleagues are doing wonderful work. We have a new, under my leadership as chair of the department, we have a new media arts space, uh, 108 East Franklin. Um, it's, it's a beautiful space where our students are able to have the latest technologies that support uh, their their media making, whether it's uh, uh, in media production or uh, in or their arts making, so I you know I would say that being immersed in the Department of Communication and, and you know engaging with my scholar with my colleagues over the last um, twenty two years I think <laughs> uh, twenty four years I should say um, has has really uh, helped me to understand the critical importance of the arts and humanities in the academy and also the challenges there. I mean, it's um, um, in terms of getting funded for our funding for our scholarship, for um, having um, a community of scholars to engage with, um, you know, having, you know, creating those, those opportunities. So that's, that's something that's been on my mind um, uh, throughout my career and being now in the directorship and uh, being able to support my my colleagues in in that work um, is is absolutely um, an amazing opportunity. So I'm 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 really happy to to be here to be able to do that. Let me also say that um, as chair of the Department of Communication, I my peers across the college selected me as chair of the Council of Chairs, and that um, put me in a position of really getting to know. Uh, my colleagues, my faculty colleagues across the campus, and being able to uh, engage with them on, on on different issues and and knowing the things that are facing our departments, I think that's another thing that really prepared me uh, for this directorship. So, anyway, to summarize, <laughs> I would say that um, you know it's really being chair of, of a department that's in the fine arts and humanities, and and being able to to learn more about the the breadth and and depth of, of the challenges for my faculty colleagues has helped me to really um, move this um, move our mission forward. I'm ha happy to be here. I think that was a brilliant summary of, <laughs> of all of your expertise and your history. You. Um, as you just mentioned and you touched on a bit, your scholarly expertise is in leadership communication. How does your re research inform your perspectives on leadership while at the IEH? As you mentioned in the, in the introduction, I recently finished a book um, that was centered on Ella Baker's, uh, what I call her catalytic um, approach to leadership. Ella Baker was a human rights, civil rights um, icon who was very influential in, um, mostly people note her, her influence in, in the, the 60s. Uh, she influenced uh, most notably um, the young people who became uh, SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee that um, really were, were instrumental in some of the, the sweeping changes that happened during that era. And she was considered their mentor. And her, her approach to leadership 
I call catalytic because she was able to tap into the power that, you know, in her view, already exists in communities. And, I, and, and by communities, you know, she was working in um, black communities in the South um, during the 60s. But as, as, and I, as I understand, you know, communities, I, I, you know, there are communities in academic institutions. There are communities um, in political um, uh, circles. There are, you know, in any kind of organizations, uh, you can start to think about uh, communities and people who have an understanding of the challenges, everyday challenges that they face. And so the, um, you know, that approach to leadership really um, informed my thinking around what does it mean to organize in a humanistic way? What does it mean to think about how we cultivate belonging, how we decide who belongs and who doesn't, and to make that conscious? You know, oftentimes um, we're not aware of the you know, what I would call a spirit of interpersonal violence sometimes that happens uh, in the everyday. And so my approach to leadership is informed by Ella Baker's approach, and, and it is something that I practice in my, my everyday um, life and as in, in my way as a leader. And so thinking about the Institute, um, I'm always thinking about how we're cultivating this idea of belonging and giving people the space or helping them to find the, the space to do their scholarship and to connect with others and, and to grow and to flourish. So I'd say my approach to leadership and, and thinking, you know, this, this perspective has, has made me think about human flourishing in a really um, systematic way. In other words, in a way that it can happen. Like we can, we can create the conditions in which um, flourishing happens. I like that idea of human flourishing. You have been director of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities for, for a little over a year now. What has that past year been like? Um, what have you learned? I've learned a great deal in this last year and a half. I Actually, I, I guess I'm right at the one and a half year mark because this is uh, we're recording this uh, in December, of uh, which is the end of the semester of my second year as director. Um, that first year, uh, which was uh, 21, 22, you know, July 21, we were just, you know, the university was just thinking about coming back, right, coming fully back or partially back. We're sort of in that space of um, thinking about, you know, how back are we, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. But um, it was an important time for me to be able to sort of get my footing. You know, there were a number of, of meetings and, and conversations that were still being held on Zoom. And so what that allowed me to do was to be able to have lots of conversations with lots of people. So my first um, priority in at the beginning was to do a listening tour to learn from the people who were the primary stakeholders um, at the Institute. Um, so I had an opportunity to speak with my wonderful faculty colleagues who are the leaders of our programs. We have excellent program directors for our core programs, the faculty fellowship program, the academic leadership program, uh, the chair's leadership program, our, it's all, all of our programs that, that engage faculty throughout, their, uh, throughout the life cycle of their careers. And so 
the you know the faculty program directors are the heart of at the heart of what we do. So having an opportunity to listen to the challenges that they face, to their desires and dreams, and and to learn about you know what they're doing to to create this flourishing that I've I've talked about. So that was really that was really important. I was also very. Um, excited to be able to have conversations with members of our external advisory board. The external advisory board is a very important part of the Institute, and I'll tell you why. From the very beginning of the Institute's founding, um, there was a a, a group of, of committed alumni who were very engaged with this idea of supporting faculty in the arts and humanities. Um, Rule Tyson, who is the founding director and um, someone that I've, I had the, the honor, as many of my colleagues did, many people did, of course, over his, his wonderful life, um, had a chance to, to get to know and, and to be in his presence and now being able to, to be a director, you know, following his, his wonderful vision for this arts. And so at that time of that founding, there were this, you know, this group of engaged fa- um, alumni who really understood the importance of supporting faculty. And so to my delight, um, the current board, and, and for years, this board has really sustained that interest in that fundamental mission of, of, of the Institute. And that is to understand that that a university does not exist without its faculty. Obviously, the students are here, and we know that we have to. We want to support our students, but our faculty are here, you know, in in that service of educating um, our students and and doing their scholarship and and doing wonderful work that impacts um, our state, you know, our local community and the world. And so, having that opportunity to get to know each one of the the thirty four uh, members of our board, I think we have thirty four, was just was just a, a, a real joy. My first year was was mainly spent <laughs> listening, um, but I also was able to um, this year greet faculty for the first time at our welcome mm-hmm. reception. Um, I remember as a faculty member that being really sort of the the mark of the start of of the semester, the fall semester, the academic school year um, was coming to the wonderful Hyde Hall. Always, you know, a beautiful event and seeing my faculty colleagues, oftentimes, you know, the chancellors would be there as as our chancellor was here uh, this year to greet faculty and just a a real festive uh, atmosphere. So that's really been um, wonderful. Um, We also had a salon that we had two salons over the the course of of this year. And those were opportunities to engage with our advisory board members and also the wonderful donors, people who are making um, gifts to the Institute to help us to to carry out this mission of, of supporting faculty and cultivating community. And so it's been a great year, Kristen, <laughs> a great year and a half. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing this this work. I'm also biased, but I can um, attest and affirm that, yes, it has also been a great year and a half here at the Institute and working with you um, throughout uh, your start, really. As director of the Institute, you've outlined your vision of the IAH as a sure place for faculty and the importance of cultivating belonging into the Institute's work. And you mentioned cultivating belonging earlier um, in the podcast. How do you envision the Institute's role in facilitating that feeling of belonging across campus? Well, 
I've touched on this a bit. The Institute is, in fact, that sure place. And, and, and what I mean by sure place is that the Institute represents what I think faculty know for sure, that this is the place that they want to be to do their research. I mean, each of us made that commitment when we decided to come to Carolina, the University of North Carolina, a great public research university. And I think that the Institute represents the core of what it means to be at a great public research institution. It's the idea that that we can fulfill a mission of, of serving the community. There's, you know, engaged scholarship is a, is a core part of my work. And the reason it is, is because I'm at an institution that has an infrastructure that uh, supports that. And many of my colleagues are doing engaged scholarship, meaning that they're doing research that impacts communities, that works directly with communities. And so the Institute is, um, is that kind of place, but it's also a place where faculty know that they can come to meet other scholars um, who are doing work that's similar to, to them. I mean, whether it's in the arts or humanities, it's engaged scholarship or, or some other um, aspect of, of, of doing their research, you know, the Institute is that place that, that can cultivate that. So what I want to do is to build on what the Institute has been doing for the last uh, three decades or more, more than three decades, to create that place. Thanks for sharing about your insights and your experiences over the past year and a half. I know you've been thinking about this and working towards this, but what can you share about what's next for the Institute? Sure. Um, really excited to share. The past few months, I've been working with the staff, faculty, and our wonderful advisory board to create um, a set of strategic priorities to be implemented over the course of my tenure as, as director. This began with a retreat that we convened in the spring. Since then, we're, we've been developing uh, a couple of, of ad hoc committees that are helping us to dive into those details. We've, we've created um, a framework that will uh, guide our work over the next few months. And essentially, that framework lays out four priorities and a fifth that will help with imp implementation. Uh, the four priorities are utilization of Hyde Hall, you know, this question about how can the Institute utilize its space um, even more to enhance intellectual engagement and community building among faculty to structure belonging within its four walls and to amplify the, the arts and humanities. So um, Hyde Hall has been such an important part of our identity um, um, as that sure place on campus. And so that's one of, one priority that I want to that I want to, to, to pursue during my tenure as, as, as director. A second priority is, is equity and uh, inclusion. You know, what can the Institute's role be in uh, being a leader on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in terms of faculty retention, in terms of hiring, in terms of, of breaking down barriers? So that's a, a, a priority moving forward. A third priority is internationalization. What are the ways in which the Institute can expand its global impact and, and footprint? You know, how can we better support faculty in building their international profiles? And then uh, the fourth priority 
is community engagement and partnerships. Now, of course, this is something that's dear to my heart because of my uh, the focus of my research and teaching on engaged scholarship. And here at the Institute, the questions that have emerged around this priority is, to what extent can the Institute continue to partner with arts and humanities units on campus, in the state, um, in, in the nation, and even beyond to amplify their mutually beneficial work? This idea of engagement and partnerships extends to communities on our campus and, and beyond. And so really looking forward to thinking about the partnerships that we develop, the public-facing aspect of, of our work, uh, and, and other um, ways that we can, can do engagement and partnerships. And then the final priority is one that will help us to build on the first four, and that is creating the infrastructure at the Institute. You know, the Institute has grown over the last um, decade, for sure, and I, I want us to, to look very closely at what it takes to support all of our different programs and the, the things that we're trying to do in terms of connecting across campus locally and, and globally. So having that infrastructure support is, is going to be very important. And it's exciting work to see over the next few months. Um, there's a lot more that I do want to dive into, but we'll save that for our next conversation um, that I look forward to um, talking with you more. Thank you, Kristen. It's been a pleasure talking to you. That will wrap up this episode of the Institute podcast. Tune in again soon for our second half of our interview with Director Parker as we dive into her work on UNC's campus and the importance of humanities engagement in public and academic communities. Subscribe to our podcast to know when that new episode drops. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Visit our website, iah.unc.edu, to find past episodes, transcripts, and more news and stories about Arts and Humanities Fellows, information about grants and leadership opportunities for all UNC Chapel Hill faculty, and our upcoming events. Thanks for listening.